It's your friendly neighborhood professor Cag saying what's going on, seeing how everybody is doing today. Uh, he, him, and his, also we and us. Yes. Tori, yes. Sylvia, I got that from one of your earlier guests. And let me tell yes. you something, I was definitely rocking with it. When I heard it on the episode, I'm like, I need this in my life. I I'm gonna love take it. it with me for I life. love it that you're using it. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm still going. Dan uh, just introduced himself like he's a professional podcaster. Oh no, what? what? <laughs> I'm like, he just showed me up. <laughs> and, and that's our show for today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I loved it. He was like your local professor. What was that? I don't know. I, I was just like blown away with your community professor, your local professor, something. I was like, okay. Can we start all, all right. over? I want to do mine over now. <laughs> Qualified than an armchair quarterback. <laughs> okay, so you know I've uh, 
the, the first couple of days, I think I just watched it straight through. Uh, the last few days, I've been going back and, and watching the different, you know, witness testimonies. I haven't been able to just sit through and watch it. Uh, I think one thing I want to point out, Tori, is I'm glad you called it the Derek Chauvin trial because so many people are calling it the George Floyd yes. trial, which it is not. Yes. You know, and, and when you say that, it's almost like he's on trial, mm -hmm. but he's not. So uh, thank you for, for, for correctly stating exactly what we're talking about. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's very interesting. I think all of the testimony is leaning in favor of the prosecution. I really do. I do think that uh, Derek Chauvin has a very good attorney in Eric Nelson. I think he's doing a fantastic job for what he's up against and what he's faced with. And he's, I, I like that I'm not seeing him uh, try to attack a lot of the character of the witnesses. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing him go after their statements, mm -hmm. especially when they made statements to you know the FBI and the federal investigation early on. But I'm not seeing, so I like, I like his demeanor. I really do. Mm -hmm. um, he's got a tough road ahead of him. I think that uh, when you look at the testimony that's been given by the firefighter, uh, uh, Mr. Williams, um, the chief of police, uh, the, the doctor, I think it's, it's, it's a very, very uh, strong case for the prosecution. However, I, I'm, I'm a little fearful. You right. know, uh, we all know, you know, what this system has done in the past when, you know, um, and, and one thing that I noticed that he did, he, he pointed out he, when he was uh, cross-examining the chief and the chief talked about how, you know, Derek violated policies and all this kind of stuff. And he was very, very poignant in saying, you're talking about administrative policies, correct? You know, you're talking about force policies. And what he's doing there is he's saying, hey, there's a very distinct difference between the administrative policies of a police department and the law. Mm -hmm. So he's really trying to go after that. Um, I, I, I'd be really hard pressed, especially in today's day and time to see anything less than a conviction. But mm -hmm. I can't say in my heart of hearts that I'm 100 <laughs> percent. Right, right. You there. know, and that's and I think we, we, uh, we kind of talked about that anxiety feeling in a lot of us right now, especially mm -hmm. BIPOC folk, of that we know that people have not been convicted for stuff like this, right? We know they've not even been charged, right? So we, we, we live with this anxiety of we know that it could go for an acquittal. And I think that that's like that, that energy amongst uh, the community right now of of a re-traumatization of historical trauma, right? Like it's, it's, that's what's happening. And I, I agree with you. I think his attorney is good. And I, and I think he's really good because he's pissing me off because he's good, right? Like he's not, like you said, he's not going for the hardcore character assassinations or things like that. And so like, as I'm watching it, it's, it's making me mad because he's doing what a good defense attorney is supposed to do. Right. 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 And, and, and one thing too, to realize is that when you look at the legal, you know, terms, when you look at, you know, manslaughter versus murder, you know, mm -hmm. murder is intentional. It's, it's premeditated. It's, this is what I meant to do. You know, um, what the prosecution has to, has to do with manslaughter, they don't have to prove the malice, but they have to prove that there was a, a, 
a level of, I guess I want to say negligence, mm -hmm. a level of, hey, you know, you may not have set out in, in, to intentionally kill this guy, but you didn't do anything to stop. Yeah. It from happening. You know, so, you know, it just, it's, it's a little bit lower degree of, of uh, culpability, you know, although they have third degree, I think the charge is third degree manslaughter. Is it manslaughter or is it third degree murder? What do they have? I think it's uh, third degree murder, man. not manslaughter. I think it's, uh, let me, I can look me, that up really quick. Yeah, I'd have to look so at let me, that. Let me check but, it out. Uh, yeah. yeah and, oh, I was going to say, I don't know as he's, as Damon's looking it up. What I could say is because we did this um, last week was <laughs> it's not just Derek. It's multiple attorneys in the background, multiple. I think one of the articles that I read was that there was 12 people, right. 12 attorneys on his um, case. Only one is presenting himself there, which is Derek. Um, and that the union is fully backing, you know, Chauvin, um, as far as, you know, with the funds and everything else for the defense yep. of that, uh, you know, of the charges, right. which so when we brought up uh, the other, who was that, um, the African, or he was Somalian American uh, yeah. police officer that <clears throat> shot the white lady, mm -hmm. zero union support. <clears throat> he was basically on his zero. own. He Zero. was definitely on his own. He yeah, was he had absolutely no union support. It was him as public defender or whoever. Um, so again, we see disparities in how they're defending a white man who kills a black uh, man or a white officer who kills a black man as opposed to a black officer who kills a white lady. Like. Mm -hmm. Just in just in the support, you know, just in the support, period. Because he was alone, and that's scary. Like I couldn't imagine, and I'm sure this Derek Nelson. Thank God he's got all these twelve other officers or attorneys to help him. But to try to plan a defense off of a public defender's, you know, pay or maybe a, just one, you know, that that to me is is uh, definitely a discrepancy on on um, for that other officer that was in the line of duty. And based on what the articles were, it was like, I could see that as ha like a mistake, like just a clear mistake that happened with him. Well, let me let me just say this, that, and let me just clarify, there's a difference. So it's the Minnesota Police Association, uh, which I believe is a state organization that's paying for him. It's not his police union. Okay. I want to make that very clear. Which so is what is the, yeah, well, what is this? So your police union, Minneapolis police has a union and okay. it's there specifically to support Minneapolis police. LAPD has a union, LA County Sheriff's, Gardena PD, Hawthorne PD. They all have their own unions that are specifically for the employees of that agency. Um, depending on whether they're sworn or non-sworn, like, like LASD. We probably have, I want to say, at least, I know two major unions and maybe two other ones for like some of our um, professional staff, as we call them. Um, so we have one for just the deputy sheriffs. We have one for the custody assistants and sergeants and lieutenants. And then yeah. we have a whole another one for... So um, you're right. He's not hardly working solo, uh, Damon, but what he is doing is he is the face out there. But interesting, I, I find it interesting that the union 
did not pay for his attorney's fees and support him. And I think that's, I think that's a good sign. You know, um, I think the Minneapolis or the Minnesota, uh, I forget what it is. Minnesota. Oh, it's the Minnesota Police Association. And it's a organization that people pay to have a membership of. Yes. So, right, right. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's an association, but it's not. And as a part of the so association guidelines, they have defense funding. There you go. Yeah. But it's, well, it's like, you know, they, have, they have an investment to make yeah. sure that uh, that the status quo remains. Well, well, that and they have that they, per the per the guidelines, if you're paying as a member, if you're paying member, part of your 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 member fish fee dues is you get go into fund. this fund. So it's like, right. you know, it's like you, if you're ever in if you're ever in trouble, like they got you kind of thing. But, yeah, right. I think you're right, too. They and, have a they have a, a, a um, uh, what do you call it? Uh <clears throat> But it's in their best interest to keep the status quo to keep people paying to be a part of it. Right. And what I what I really don't know is if they stepped up. And so the Minneapolis police union didn't have to pay or I'd be interested to know if Minneapolis police union said they weren't going to pay. Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Also pay into the union dues. But it, but but whoever this Minnesota Association of Police is, that's probably anybody from anywhere within the state, you know, could pay into it if you choose to. So it's kind of so interesting. So well, this um, this article talks about how, again, they say we can't pick who we defend or not defend because it's part of the uh, member fees that you pay into the legal defense fund. Um but it does say that the officers federation of uh, police officers federation of Minneapolis is a part of this organization as well and receives yes. benefits. So, yeah. so it's so kind I'm of like a, a gray it, area oh. in the sense it's not necessarily the union paying for it, but they're part of this association as well. Well, I, I guess the best way I can describe it is it's a big umbrella. Yeah, it, it's like uh, it's like um, lawyers paying into the bar. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you may belong to a whole bunch of different organizations, but all of those organizations are under the one umbrella of the bar. Yeah. So it's basically no. for set up for political power. They probably oh, do. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They, they, they're a lobbying organization. And mm -hmm. what's, what's interesting about that is uh, I just did um, just a little bit of digging on them. They have um, financial disclosures of, you know, various reports or things like that, that they've actually kind of advocated for that are available online to go and review for the Minnesota uh, Police and Peace Officers Association. Um, the interesting thing that I noted just about their campaign fine, they have a campaign finance board. So that oh. tells me like kind of just off the top, not necessarily saying that, you know, I know I've, or I've done like a kind of deep dive on the organization, but if you think about the kind of statement, right, if, if, um, what is that, what was that phrase, right? Uh, it was a movie, Chris Tucker was in it, Charlie Sheen, Money Talks, right? Oh, yeah. If, if money talks, right, then that means that it actually makes a statement. <clears throat> and the fact that the Minnesota Association for, for Police and Peace Officers, so, oh, excuse me, the, the Minnesota, Minneapolis uh, Police and Peace Officers Association, the very fact that they're actually putting up the, the, the funds, right, to cover Derek Chauvin's legal defense says something, right? It makes a statement. Mm -hmm. And 
insofar as they also use those funds in order to, you know what I'm saying, make lobbyists or make bids for, you know, at the federal level for, for various titles or campaigns or ideas or things, right, or positions, platforms mm-hmm. that they want to actually advance forward, right, also too says something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, right, I'm, I'm, I'm more so interested in kind of, you know, what that actually says, right, about the organization and their values but I think also too, on the flip side of that, I'm also just as equally interested in, and I believe Eric actually mentioned this too as well, right? I'm also interested in the flip side, right? The, the, the kind of inverse. So the, the police union is not actually supporting, right? Or, or covering their, their, their legal fees, right? So, you know, where it is that you actually spend your money, right? Or where it is that you allow it to kind of, where you make your investments and where you don't makes a statement. I'm curious about the fact that the police union is not actually supporting Derek Chauvin when they've had absolutely zero problem publicly and both privately as well as financially supporting other officers who've been in these kind of situations similar to Derek Chauvin in the past. I'm interested in what that says about them not actually wanting to, uh, you know, cover his legal fees in this particular moment. Uh, I'll, I'll be very curious to find out a little bit more about that. And I'm not here to defend them, but I, I will say this. You know, um, for example, California Peace Officers Association is a state association that any agency, any police officer within the state can join. Now, that, that doesn't mean you're not part of your individual union, apartment union, but you can join this, you know, and, and the part of the- And, and that, when you, excuse the, me, when you say join, does that mean you're- paying the dues out of pocket so it's yes. optional it's yes it's like an extra insurance yeah so i can call and i say hey, i want to be a yeah. part of cpoa and i don't know what the you know it's 90 dollars a year whatever but yeah. you know but then typically a lot of the unions individual department unions will also be a member or like a whatever it is that you want to call it associate member or whatever of cpoa and I guess all I'm saying is not to defend them, but if I'm paying my dues into that, and one of the things that I get, one of the benefits is legal representation, you know, yeah. these unions are kind of like insurance companies. They're hoping they never, That's ever right. have to right. spend that money. That's right. Right. But yeah. when you do do something stupid and it comes up like this, that's, that's what I paid for. Yeah. You know, right. I'm yeah. paying into these dues. So Which is fair. I mean, that's fair. So that's what I'm trying to say. It's yes. kind of fair. He's getting... He's getting the benefit of what he is contributing. He paid to, for. If that's what, if that's you know, if he's been a member of that. Right. Yeah, I mean, and to be honest, I would want that if I, if I'm paying into it and I'm getting accused of murder, murder, whether I'm doing it or not. God help me, I need I'm gonna need a lot of help. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna give I I I'm okay with with that process happening because that's what insurance is for. Right. To help you. So. I, I can't knock that one. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't I don't know. You know, I mean, I hope it's kind of sort of like, you know, one of those associations that do indeed, you know, that that, that does indeed practice inclusivity. Well, well, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I mean, we just Damon, um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna tell one. you right here today, Santa Claus doesn't exist, nor does the Easter Bunny. <laughs> I, I like that, you know, in your little heart of hearts. <laughs> But you know, let's I mean, be that's clear, important. these associations right. are descendants of the uh, um, the uh, original posses that were, you know, sent out to recapture slaves. Like, I, come on. Like, these right. associations are, are hey. historically created out of that. 
right? So hey, look, look, you know what? Well, 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 that bodes bad for me if I'm one of these if I'm one of these police officers and I'm trying to pay into that into that that that, that little bit of social security because they ain't gonna include me right on that. There's gonna be a fine print at the bottom that says, "Oh yeah, actually, that's not the kind of one that we actually help out." And, and it might that's be that they only give you under the public defender's office. At right. the bottom, it's gonna say, "Not for you, Damon." Right. That's right. Yeah. Look. <laughs> this, I'm this, thinking... doesn't mean, this doesn't mean you, Eric. Right. Yeah. I, I, I have thinking... that color palette, you know, where it's like wait, wait. beige down to, you know, black, and they're going to be, okay, well, no, sorry. That it's going to determine, yeah, that skin tone is going to determine how many uh, attorneys are assigned yeah, to your case. Paper bag test. Right. So Chauvin's skin color gets 12. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Look, what your skin Mooney color said, get right? one. <laughs> Paul Mooney said, "Right, you you have the complexion for the protection, right?" And that's exactly what that affords you, right there. That paper bag test. Look, they ain't even gonna write that down in no policy. They just gonna take out the paper bag. Hey, hey. and he also said, "Keep smiling in front of them." Keep smiling. The other incident that you were talking about was that in Minnesota. Where was it? I think was it was Chicago. in Minnesota. No, the um, the Somali officer's name was what was his name? Tori Nor uh, Nor. Yeah. Nor. Yeah. I think he was in. Um, I don't think it was in. I don't think it was Minnesota. Oh, okay. Then maybe it was Chicago. Then I can't remember. I think Damon might have had it right. Chicago. Yeah. You think? I'm about to look it up right now, folks. Okay. Uh, Woo! We got uh, we got somebody quick on. You know Google. what? You know what? You know what? Y'all were right. Y'all were right. Uh, so, 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 so the woman, she's a Minneapolis woman. Um, I just want to, yep. Yeah. Muhammad Noor. That's my, yeah. that's, that's the dear brother's name. Muhammad Moore, a former Minneapolis police officer. Oh, so yeah, y'all were right. Oh, were yeah. Right. Yep. So he was Minneapolis, Minneapolis but in Minnesota. Well, maybe he was that's behind right. on his dues. And, and well, I was going to say, was he part of the CPOA? I mean, not CPOA, but the the Minneapolis Minnesota. or Minnesota Police Association. Yeah, because remember you know that, what? You uh, know what? I want to say he was. Well, I, now, I just recently now, heard. No, typically I'm you sorry, have no. to be a part of your department's union. It's it's like you're there. You know, you have shop. You know, and you it's have like they to get be you. Part of the union. Yeah. But did he join this other organizations? And that would be interesting to find out if he did join them. Why they didn't? You know, they. Yeah. We we you already know, said we already well, we already okay. said. Yeah, let me be clear. What did Paul Mooney say? Uh, hold on, my, let me be clear. Let's find out what their explanation. Their statement. Is. Their their right. official statement sure. of why they weren't going they, to do it. Push the crickets. <laughs> push the crickets right now. This was their explanation. <laughs> There's crickets. That's the explanation. Crickets. 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 <sighs> that was, yeah, I'm about that, to look it up they, right now. They said it was radio silence. Like what radio silence. Name? Damon? Noor, Muhammad Noor. Noor. Muhammad Noor, yeah. N-O-O-R. He was part of um, the Somali... He was the Somalian police, yeah. A Somali-American Police yeah. Association. I, and I don't know if that was like a separate thing or that's within... It's a separate thing. Yeah, within, it's a separate thing. Okay, yeah, because so, that's that's across the nation. Um, right, oh yeah, that's right, that they yeah. had like... Because they were had only like 35. 91 members or something like that. Yeah, Actually, it was, it was like thirty-six. It was like thirty-six yeah. or thirty-five. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I just and and nationwide, that. that was nationwide. Look at that. That's right. That's right. And I only yeah. know that because you know, just just 
it was matter of fact, it was it was earlier this morning. I was making some breakfast, and I was just so happened to listen to the news, and they had made a connection between the two cases, okay. specifically noting the disparity between yeah. how the union stepped up, right, and and mm-hmm. in a sense, uh, right, made their statement of support, right, for this officer, not for this one. There but was, uh, could... if I'm not mistaken, there's a there's an article on. Uh, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. I believe she did an interview with, gosh, I can't remember. It was just today. So if y'all go on Democracy Now! for uh, April 6th, you can, under underneath that date, you might be able to see one of the headlines or so like that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So if you, no, no, you were, you I was going to say, now, the key would be, was Mohammed part of, did he have that extra insurance, right? I, Mm-hmm. That that would that be the was. key, yeah. That would be the key, and I don't know if I mean, and I I don't know. Let's say the union, whatever. If he was just only the union, I don't think a union, a departmental union, would have the bankroll. Like, say if let's say Chauvin didn't add the extra insurance, I don't think his union would be able to bankroll twelve. 12 attorneys. Well, um, you know, they, uh, you know they, they have these attorneys on retainer. On, okay. You know, they, they typically, these unions have a law firm okay. already on retainer. And, you know, sometimes it comes in and, you know, uh, it's already paid for. It's part of the retainer for the ongoing representation that they give, you know, but they might even kind of farm this out to an outside firm too sometimes. Right. Okay. You, you know, what's interesting to me about that, though, is right when 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 you think about the fervor, when you think about Derek Chauvin's trial uh, and, and, and I'm sorry, let me just pause for a quick second, because there was a, there was something that I think is definitely noteworthy about this particular show here in general. I have to echo what Eric started out, what he opened up with his first statement, right? The fact that y'all calling it the Derek Chauvin trial, I think is definitely not just money, it's accurate, right? Mm -hmm. It's accurate. And that is one of the most important things. It's very pragmatic. It's one of the most important things that we can carry with us going forward, right? Mm -hmm. Is that sense of practical wisdom, um, which is in no shortage here on this show, especially with Tori and Sylvia actually leading us at the helm. You know, they didn't, they didn't let me, me and Eric actually onto the ship today, you know what I'm saying? And they actually piloting it. And, you know, we just actually just going along just for the crew. We just enjoying the ride right That's now. <laughs> we're bringing you to the table. We're here for the, we're exactly. here for the commercial breaks. Exactly, yeah, really, that's all. <laughs> but you know, what, 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 what's interesting is that if you think about this particular trial, within the larger context of the past, <clears throat> This is 2021, right? 2024, so like say the past six years, right? I'm thinking in particular all the way back to the trial, right? 2014, 2015 with um, uh, um, my young brother, um, the assailant from, from my young brother's killing, uh, Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the, the officer's name is escaping me off the top of my head, but I remember there being a very strong presence out in the public eye from the fraternal order of police, right? And so when you think about, I'm, I'm, again, that question comes back for me, right? Not just about uh, Derek Chauvin's union, right? Choosing or not choosing to step up financially, right? And to kind of do those, to step in, right? Uh, in the same way that the association he paid into did, but also to the fraternal order of police. 
uh, Eric, I'm interested in like kind of thinking, maybe kind of unpacking that a little bit. Like, do, what role do does does that group one are they a union or are they an association? And two, what role do they typically play, or kind of what are their parameters, right, for like kind of participating in a in a in a um, in in a trial like this in terms of support? You know, um, Fraternal Order of Police is an association, and right. You know, it's another thing that you 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 can join, you can become a member of. Um, I'm actually a member of it, and it's it offers a lot of education. You know, educational tips, educational points. You get a magazine every month. They keep you updated on various trends, whether they be new technology, whether they be you know new leadership uh, things, or you know maybe some new legislature and things like that. Um, to your question, I don't know if they would be involved. I've never heard of them actually getting involved in representation or paying for representation. I have seen them oftentimes get out in support of certain mm -hmm. things, but I don't yeah. know if they've, if they've gotten out. And I do believe they do have a, a PAC fund, you know, mm. where that where they can, um, you know, lobby. Uh, but I don't know if they provide any kind of legal representation or support at least that's nothing that i've ever heard about or known um yeah. i don't know if that answer yeah. are you asking what are what? my thoughts no, no 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 that answered my question perfectly because i'm it, it says something to me right like speaking speaking out publicly especially for someone who's on trial so publicly right uh, and again, Derek Chauvin is like right now, he's just like kind of the Baskin Robbins flavor of mm -hmm. the month, right? Like he's just like kind of the latest one to come up on trial right now. So I don't want to kind of, you know, mitigate or isolate, um, you know, my, my, my question about the order, right? With, with, with just him, but thinking about this again, like within the context of like the past few years, you know, it's interesting to me, right? That they say something about about those other folks, right? And they don't choose to actually say something about Derek Chauvin right now, or rather they're not as vocal. I, I, I've yet to hear something Right. coming so, from them in the ways that I had heard in the past. So, so I think what you, what, what I have seen in, in the law enforcement community is, let me, let me rephrase that. What I have never seen, and I think we talked about this in the law enforcement community, was such an outcry from law enforcement that mm -hmm, this would happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and I will tell you, I'll be honest with you, you know, even surprisingly, some of my friends that look like me and you, I hear them sometimes, well, you got to consider this. Well, mm -hmm. you got to consider that. And, oh, yeah. you know, this may have happened. And I'm like, whoa, you know, in mm -hmm. some of these cases. Whereas with this one, you know, I have not heard. Now, I'm going to back up and I'm going to say this. I have not heard anybody come out and specifically support Derek Chauvin. What I have seen is people make light of it. You know, mm -hmm. I have seen some memes. Mm -hmm. We you heard about the one on the news uh, with LAPD uh, police officer posted. You know, uh, you take my breath away with a picture of George Floyd. Did oh you shit! For that? real? Oh, yeah. Oh, I did not. Oh, yeah, I wow. did not. And actually, in in uh, in another meme, right after the Super Bowl, uh, some you know from one of the sheriff's department, LA County Sheriff's Department, is called LASD sworn past and present. And I don't mind putting this on blast because it's disgusting to me that uh, a retired sheriff deputy created a meme just after the Super Bowl and it showed Darren Chauvin, Chauvin kneeling on, uh, but it was it was uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes. 
and they superimposed Tom Brady's face. No. Yes, where Derek, where uh, Derek Chauvin was, and underneath him they had Patrick Mahomes. No. And they had yeah. So I, I'm like, well, let me ask you this: If the Kansas City uh, Chiefs had won, would you have done that? Right. You know, right? Would, would you have switched roles? You know, and so it disgusts me to see law enforcement, you know, uh, police officers. So I haven't had anybody that I know of come out and defend it, but I have seen people be very disrespectful and, mm -hmm. and have an absolute lack of compassion, you know, and, and just be just be insensitive to, you know, this situation, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, and, and, and do things like that, which which is which is very disturbing in and of itself. Which is why I bring up the Mohammed Noor case in which, again, here, that's, you know, he reacted out of something that was instant, like where white officers can say, I fear for my freedom or my life. Right. And in his situation, it was like, uh, yeah, I could see that happening where he feared something was going to happen. And yet that was not good enough. And yet that was not enough to use those words. I feared for my partner's safety. I feared for my safety. That wasn't good enough for him, but it's good enough for all the other officers. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, not just Chauvin, because, you know, and the other thing I think is, you know, would you have anybody close to you, Eric, or in your realm to have the nerve to say something that supported Chauvin? Um, I, you know, it, it's funny when you look at the, the audacity and ignorance of people, um, <laughs> in my circle, in my circle, I mean, somebody that would have the nerve, see, that's what I'm saying, because they have the nerve in front of their circles to throw these little memes out and, you know, put them, put them out there in right. the world, anonymous, whatever. Yeah. Right. So I was but in our circles. We don't ever come in contact. Yeah, we don't. I don't ever come in contact with somebody that's oh, that's in my group that's overtly like racist. That we, you, you, you know, know. So it's like I, I don't know who to turn to trust and because they do it behind our backs. But that might cast say, the beyond. But 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 silver. When you say in your group, you got to remember when you say in your group. No, maybe not in my group. Right. But would they say it in a briefing where they think mm. they're amongst mm -hmm. here? They're yeah. safe? Will they say that's it where? Yeah. I'm earshot where they said in a training class oh absolutely yeah and i'll just show you and this. that's why i say the mic has to be on right right <laughs> yeah the right. mic has the video <laughs> camera the mic that's that's the only way we know who's who so let me we let always roll <laughs> let me jump in real quick i was gonna try to share screen and show you that meme oh. if you guys want to see it. hold on well let oh, me give you do. some yeah, yeah, let yeah. me give you some share screen uh capabilities some powers here huh that's right. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Got it. Make you a co-host. Share away. Activate. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, have, I don't see nothing yet. I'm pulling it up. Oh, there Hold it on. There Give him a second. On. Jeez. Do you see it? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. So this was wow. posted right after the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. And as you can see the title, LASD sworn past and present. This person right here is a retired deputy. I think she retired in 2017. And and so let me also say this. So this is let me, it, so this is like a Facebook group for former yes. and current uh, LAPD officers. Sworn only on no LA Sheriff's Department. Oh LA Sheriff's. Oh okay. Right. 
So, and as you can see, this had 27 yeah. and 15 comments, but it was quickly, it was taken down. Yeah. Whoever the administrators are, they did take it down, but not after several people laughed right. at it and gave it a thumbs up. And and how many people shared it and screenshot it so they could share again, right? Yeah. Like, Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But I mean, wow. you know, so would you have done that in the in the reverse if it was Hell no. And it's just, and it's just, you know, it's just the insensitivity of it. It's just, you know, you you have no care in the world about what that would say or do to this man's family. Yeah. You know, it's 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 there's absolutely there's no excuse for it. I mean, it, to me, it's it's just disgusting. You know, to me, that actually resonates just really supremely, Eric. I'm glad you showed that example because. <clears throat> If you can't send that to me, because I I, I want to use that. That's a that's a teachable uh, meme right there. Mm -hmm. I teach about memes in my in my uh, composition class. Um, really, <clears throat> not so much about racist memes, although sometimes I, we do actually get on into it because I mean they're pro they're appropriate for the topic of the day. But um, <clears throat> that's an example, a clear cut example of what we would call uh, cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, the disconnection that, mm -hmm. that that's associated, mm -hmm. right? The, the disconnection from the the ill appropriateness, right? <clears throat> the lack of appropriateness, right? right? right. And appropriateness is such like a wide kind of concept, right, or a thing, right? It's not just about whether or not it was, you know, publicly correct, right? Appropriateness doesn't equate to PC. That's something that is almost like relatively superficial, right? Appropriateness deals with a much more full wide range of capabilities. And when it comes to <clears throat> thinking about that meme, right, the message of that meme and what it says to whom that that message is being delivered, right? Mm -hmm. Group of, 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 of former LA sheriff's folks, right? Uh, uh, retired, right, or former, right, like, like, but they're still connected as a part of this community. Thinking about <clears throat> how that message gets disconnected, pulled, ripped, stripped away from mm -hmm. the immediacy and the reality of the moment itself, mm -hmm. right? Just mm -hmm. quite simply, one for one purpose, one goal, just to make somebody laugh. That means that it's solely for pleasure. <laughs> right, you know right. what I'm saying, right? That's yeah. an example of what I mean by cognitive dissonance, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that meme there kind of, you know, illustrates that. Well, and Damon, it makes was me, wondering, uh, Damon, it makes me think back even further of, you know, when uh, lynchings were on postcards, right? Come on now. Like now the history of, <laughs> of, of the, right. the killing of black bodies and particularly black males was a form of entertainment, right? Yes. Oh, and in the oh, town square and 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 in postcards and so like Come just on. like the the connection of it and oh. and like you're saying is that it just a completely lack of awareness i mean see like there right so so i i use that as a kind of just as a, 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 a in a certain kind of way as a segue right to this question <clears throat> right and the question is the question that's on everybody's mind, right, just kind of in general, just pervading at all times, I think, is, oh, well, hey, we've made progress, right? Like, mm. things have gotten better, right? Like, like most people, like, that question is just kind of there, right. and they already have an answer for it, right? right. So, I mean, it's just kind of a, an assumed, right, um, kind of point. But I want to raise that question up and say, you know, have we really kind of come sort of all that far? Especially when, given the context, Tori, and what you just laid out right there, right? Those moments of lynching were what 
right? Some scholars would actually call, right? You got folks like Sadia Hartman, right? Who, who talks about it in terms of like what she says, a scene of subjection, mm-hmm. right? A scene of subjection, which essentially translates to someone actually impressing their power, right? It's a display of power being impressed upon someone without power, right? Mm-hmm. And there's always that dynamic that's at play for sure, right? But just in specifically and explicitly in racial terms, um, as a matter of fact, you know, I can't really even kind of do justice to what those scenes kind of uh, represent and the kind of messages that they actually put out there. I can't do justice to it, but I do know that there's a scholar by the name of Ursula Orr who is at, I want to say, ASU, Arizona State University, who has a book. As a matter of fact, it's called Lynching. Um, and, and this book here, it, it, it's, it's probably one of the most intelligent, one of the most critical and deep dives into the role that photographs and photographing played in sustaining and facilitating the process, right, Tori, see, you, I, 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 I'm going to kind of actually take what you said, right, a little bit, like, like maybe like one or two elevated floors below, right, take right, it, right, we're going to go a little there. bit on into the basement, just, just for a hot second, just for a hot take second, we're not going to the surface too long. But it's not even just that, 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 that it was a popular thing, talking about lynchings, right? Lynchings were not just a popular thing, right? They weren't just the thing, right? A meme is, is a popular thing, right? You know, it's, 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 it's the thing that everybody is doing and using in order to communicate messages, especially out to a mass public audience on social media, right? On these kind of, you know, mega explosive platforms. That's a popular thing, right? Lynchings were different, right? In, in, in the sense that they were deeper, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it wasn't just a popular thing lynchings were about a couple of different things. One, the instantiation, right, of whiteness, right, as, as the culmination really of, of, of what some folks, right, would call a kind of white racial project, right, a project of nation building that's premised upon the idea, right, the notion, the mythos, the illusions that we're actually able to construct and the stories that we're able to actually sustain about whiteness and what that means relative to all of these other misses, right? You know, mm-hmm. blackness, Asianness, right? So on and so forth, right? Brownness, right? Whatever any of all of that stuff there could actually mean over any given point in time. You see, lynchings were actually about <clears throat> not only the instantiation of power over these others, right? But it was also too, it also served, right? Speaking about this point about continuing on the narratives, right? So that way they have lasting staying power. It was a point of, it was a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. It was a rite of passage specifically, right? For white men, as a matter of fact, what was on those postcards, and again, I'm saying, right? I couldn't say this more eloquently than Ursula Orr because she lays it out all in her book. It's part of what her book is actually kind of curating really in a lot of ways for not just an academic audience, but really for a public, for, for, for a mass public audience to understand too, Lynching is is was an American pastime. Mm. You would see those photographs being sent all across the country, mm-hmm. not just the photographs, but also too, right? Images that would that would be used on products to be sold, mm. right? These weren't just kind of like just postcards, although mm-hmm. the postcards are a very important, crucial point, because on the back of the message it would say, "Hey, so and so just went to their first lynching; they became a man." Mm. Wow. Mm. 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 Well, and what I heard, I can't remember who I heard is like, this is what the Chauvin uh, trial really is. A sanctioned lynching because it was done in front of all of us. And is he going to be able to, and is any officer going to be able to get away with a sanctioned lynching? 
They have been for quite some time. <laughs> but you we know, haven't been, you know? you know, again, it hasn't been in our face like, like, like this. I mean, this, to me, it's like body cameras are on, you know, grainy. This was eight minutes and what, almost nine minutes nine of seeing an yeah, officer stand yeah. or kneeing somebody and people frantic around saying you know get up trying to help as best they could right. and feeling helpless and how is that and we had talked about it when this happened was if you're there and you're seeing that and you're the general public it's not like you can go and push the officer off because guess what happens to you you get shot you get arrested now you got assault against a uh a police officer interfering in police, whatever, whatever's, and you may have, uh, uh, you don't know whether you would have saved his life or what, because nobody knows, right? But, so you, it's like you're helpless in a situation when you see in a man being killed in front of your face. And let me, and let me say this, you know, and we could see that, we could see that in the eyes and in the, and hear it in the voices of the people that are, are testifying mm -hmm. the witnesses how traumatic this was for them. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to go back to this because, you know, I am, I am what you call both. You know, I'm a black man that wears a badge. Mm -hmm. And I want to mm -hmm. say this, that, and I may be a little unpopular for this, but all of the deaths, shootings, killings, uses of force, if that's what we want to say, used by police against, you know, black Americans, all of it is not terribly bad. It looks horrible. Some of it is justified. However, we are so traumatized by all of the many, many bad ones out there that no matter what happens, no matter how justified it is, we're gonna look at it and say it's bad. You know, and, and I think that, it, I, I think it could be the, you know, um, there, was a, there was a case not too long ago about uh, a, a guy, I wanna say he was in Detroit. And the police stopped this, these two guys. Uh, they detained one. Another guy literally pulled out a gun, started shooting at the police. It's all captured on video. The police shoot back, kill the guy, and they hit the streets. They hit the streets protesting this. You know, I, I think we have to look at it, too, from both, both angles. You know, not all of this is absolutely bad and terrible now you know you'll have people that will say well why did the police even stop those two guys well i don't know you know then we kind of start justifying some yeah. of the actions you know but i think just the the trauma that you know and i and i keep using that word that seems to be the, the good bu buzzword right now the trauma that you know the community has gone through for so long is getting to the point where they're getting fed up and and i i think and, and, and what and I'm getting to your point, Sylvia, is this. I'm surprised and I'm waiting for the time. And well, let me say this. I'm not waiting because I'm hoping it never happens. I'm hoping we make some shifts. We make some changes. We start doing things different. But if you look at the amount of people that were in that crowd, they could have absolutely overran those police officers, you know, mm -hmm. tapped them, took them off, got them off of George Floyd, and then still kind of, you know, stood back but that's how strong the institution is. Mm -hmm. You know, the yeah. institution is mm -hmm. how many people out there are witnesses at the, at the onset, let's say 20 or 30. 
and there's four officers. There's one guy, one police officer, Tao, standing up there holding all of those people back. Right. That shows you the power of the institution, mm -hmm. of the authority. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. that's what yeah. people are starting to challenge. And that's what's going to get really scary because we as police officers are giving that, we're giving that away. We are creating such, such an environment that, you know, where we're doing, you know, when I say we, I'm going to say law enforcement, we're doing things in such a way that we have lost, we have absolutely lost a, a big chunk of our community. And mm -hmm. I would say probably something. say if, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop, but I want to say if Chauvin, if Chauvin is not convicted, you, Oh, all hell is going to break it's loose. On. It's going to be worse it's than on. There's going to be. It's going to be worse than the than the LAPD. It's uh, going to be riots and nationwide. Uh, I'm so. fearful. I don't think it's going to be I, that. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I don't you think it's going to be bad. I don't think it's going to be no retribution. I don't think it's going to be none of that. And this that's not me trying to be pessimistic. That's yeah. really me thinking about what it is and taking very seriously what it is that Eric actually just laid out here, you see, and kind of like engaging with it. <clears throat> in a sense, Eric, <clears throat> this is part of what I wanted to say, like kind of in response to what you're saying, uh, to the points that you're making. I think you're right in part. The part that I think that you're right about is really something that undermines policing, uh, at least policing in the sense, in, in, in the community sense, right? Um, and I, when I say the community sense, I mean, literally they're there to be one engaged and to provide right safety and also to to protect others right <clears throat> that kind of policing if we can imagine policing to function like that right um, the problem i think <clears throat> that undermines that kind of policing is legitimately this investment not only is, is the investment it, here's here's where i will kind of agree with you say look hey we can take a look at both sides on this one right here right is the collective investment in the notion and the narrative of white supremacy. Because to be quite honest with you, right, that's what I would actually argue that people are, are, are really, really, really like afraid of, right? And when I say that they're really, really afraid of it, I mean, because it, it stands in as a symbol culturally, right? Like, so in that scene, in that moment, right, the reason why people, right, that even though you got two officers, what, what two to four officers, I think that were there on the scene at the time, you got all these people like who are kind of crowded around legitimately like they're, they're they've they have ingrained in them the belief and the association of policing right of policing with protection and specifically how it actually shows up right like these particular police right Derek Chauvin as a white male police that he's kind of the ultimate symbol of authority and a, and 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 in a certain kind of way right power right law enforcement power within this larger mythos that we tell ourselves right and that we grow up with so that doesn't surprise me that folks are not all like kind of swarming in you know you can have like a whole group of black folks surrounding a cop that is putting their knee on the neck of another black person they're not gonna necessarily jump on in but again black folks very clear about why because they understand the power of white mm -hmm. supremacy and the kind of reprisals that it actually can wage upon individuals just as an example parallel example right to kind of illustrate what I mean by this kind of power of that's just, that's wrapped up in law enforcement, right? Much to law enforcement, I would say much to their detriment, 
right? But also too much to their benefit, right? Historically for, for a very long time mm. as well, right? <clears throat> when we look at how the, 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 the protesters in Oregon were actually kind of unleashed upon, right? <laughs> By President Trump, that's an example, right? An instantiation of how that, oh, excuse me, an example of how that power is instantiated, not only with the full kind of backing of the state's legal authority, but how that state's legal authority is also wrapped up in whiteness because of the, 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 the language and the rhetoric that the president was actually using mm -hmm. to turn, right, the public's attention against, right, those protesters actually in Oregon. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to kind of put some nuance right onto the points. I think you're making some, 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 some powerful points, especially about, you know, how it is that the public responds, right, to the, to the officers. I think that all of that is wrapped up in, in, in this racial narrative as well, specifically not just the race, not just the racial narrative of blacks versus whites, but the racial narrative of white supremacy, period. Mm -hmm. We can stop it right there mm -hmm. and the history that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, to I totally agree. Um, I, I was wondering, um, I was thinking in terms of, you know, this uh, acquittal or not acquittal, and some friends and I were talking about it and, um, you know, it, it's almost this thing is if he gets convicted, um, will, will then the system say, see, it, it was this one bad apple, right? So they get, then they'll take that narrative. Like there isn't, there isn't anything in wrong. See, because we did what we were supposed to, we got this one bad apple out. Right. And so does that, um, kind of segueing into a conversation that, um, you all have had previously around reform, right? If you, if you, if you, and I mean, I absolutely hope he's convicted again, also knowing that I sit with this anxiety of that he won't be. Um, but it, it, it almost to me creates a, a, a train of, well, see, we don't really need to do anything because we got the guy, we got the guy that did it. He's the bad one. He's the, this was an extreme case. And then does that stall any kind of um, discussion about reform? So I know you all had an excellent discussion prior to this about reform. So I'm kind of trying to segue. You see, I'm trying to bring you, bring you to that next part of the discussion. So I, I, I'm going to add a component to that, Tori, of, of getting a conviction. That another big component before anything happens is then going to be the sentencing. Right. Oh, right. Right. Yes. So absolutely. He gets convicted, yes. but if he doesn't get what the public feels is right. an appropriate sentence for that conviction, and in other words, you know, all of these legal, all of these laws have mandatory sentencing or minimums and maximums, mm -hmm. right? So let's just say he gets convicted and he says, "Okay, three years probation." Right. Oh my gosh, that, oh. that's gonna be that's gonna be one thing. Or yeah. if if the minimum is, you know, I'm just throwing it out. I don't I don't have any idea. If the minimum is five to twelve years, and they give them three years with two years, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. to even, so there there's going to be some other components there that people are going to be watching very closely. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I totally forgot to mention that part of the the yeah. system. But so, then then if they it, well, well if the sentencing doesn't go the right way then it's you know the criminal justice sentencing court reform, you know, it's no right. longer the police, right? So it's like these multi different facets of of, you know, buckets here of well it's not us it's you. You know, we convicted him. We can't help that the judge didn't sentence him to way, you know, think, that kind of thing. I, I think it's going to be a little bit of the opposite. I think honestly what's going to happen is, you know, there's there have been 
This is the big one. This is the one that we're hearing about in the news. But ever since um, last year, uh, there have been a whole lot more filings on law enforcement officers for their actions than there have been, you know, in the past. And a lot of people were jumping on that. Oh, you're just doing, you know, the law enforcement organizations were saying, you're just doing this to make a statement. You know, you're doing all these things. So there have been more filings. I, I think that this is going to be the catalyst um, to, to hopefully, hopefully push for more of this. And, I, and when I say hopefully, I don't want to see, first of all, I don't want to see law enforcement doing things like this to begin with. Mm -hmm. So subsequently, I don't want to see these convictions. I want to see them doing things differently. Mm -hmm. You know, so what I'm really curious about right now is there was a lot of talk about, you know, de-escalation policies. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, um, you know, use of force and, and, and how police are going to change and reform. But some of that, some of that, you know, banter has quieted a little bit. You know, we're not hearing about it as much. Um, mm -hmm. So this, this, I think this, uh, this trial here is going to be a very, very interesting thing because, as you just said, if he gets convicted and he gets an appropriate sentence, are the majority of the people going to say, "Okay, all right, see, all right, now." Let's go on about our lives. And, you know, this is also a perfect storm because so many people want to get back to life after this COVID-19 lockdown. Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. want to start going on vacation. They want to start going to rest. They're not paying attention to some of the stuff anymore. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. they've been locked down for so long. Yeah. So if it becomes a, an acquittal, I think that's going to stir up, obviously. That's going to raise, you know, the red flag. People are going to be right back out there. Um, I hope that it's, as the professor said, it's it's not going to be as bad as 92. I don't know. You know, um, I, I, think it, I think it will get bad. I think on the flip side, you know, people been locked up so long, once again, they're going to use this as another excuse to get out and and start doing some stuff. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm curious, Damon, why you, what? Because like, I feel like it's just going to be like, just poof, like, you know, match into the fucking powder keg if he's acquitted. Um, I'm curious why, why, why you're thinking not. The conditions. <laughs> I don't think that anybody has the energy for it to be quite mm -hmm. honest with you, to be very honest with you and um, transparent. Uh, I think that um, not even all that far away from what Eric just actually said, mm -hmm. right? A lot of the political will for police reform, right? Specifically in those areas where we were, we're kind of talking about it, right? You know, in terms of de-escalation policies and all of those sort of kind of things, right? A lot of that momentum there has kind of died down now because we're starting to get just a little bit of alleviation, right? Just from our situation. Vaccines are available. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got people who are on trial. You have people who are Trump is gone. talking that talk. Right. Yeah. Trump, Trump is gone. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a little bit of alleviation on that pressure. I don't think that that this trial here is enough to motivate the kind of um, action that I think, you know, 
we're talking about right here and that I, I, I know that the public kind of, you know, is like talks about, right? So like, you know, in the barbershops and in the beauty shops, right? Like if they were still open during the quarantines, they'd be sitting up here talking a whole bunch of mess talking about, man, look, hey, if Derek Chauvin gets off, man, look, man, we're going to go up here and we're going to do boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I don't I don't even think there's enough political will to like, you know, actually sell those wolf tickets right there, to be quite honest with you. Although, although I do believe that there is definitely enough of the reality of this situation and enough of the reality, enough realization, right? Um, if he does get acquitted, there's enough awareness that the public actually has in order to feel defeated, in order to feel less than they were as a whole, as mm -hmm. a nation than they were last year, right? Mm -hmm. And that they were three months ago and that they were, heck, maybe even three weeks prior to, right? That acquittal mm -hmm. kind of conviction. I mm -hmm. think that it will actually put the, the, the morale of the nation, right? On the injured reserve list. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and and I, I gotta say this, cause remember I said this about, if you can get me, I'm normal here. What, what do you bring into the table? We are like, we are regular folk. We don't, you know, I'm saying, and I told this to Tori, I think I told you, I, I know I've been saying it. If he gets acquitted, my rear end is going to be out there signing my hand. I'm not going to do no violence or any of those things, but I will be out in the streets. I will be out there saying absolutely not. Because I think to me, if Mohammed Noor sitting in prison right now who, when I look at his story and I think I could see how he did it, why he did it. Like I can, I'm a regular folk and I could see how, yeah, it was dark slamming. I could see that because it could happen to me. Cause I know when somebody comes around the corner, I'm like, ah, I get spooked. Right. I could see that this, I cannot see. I cannot see how he made up something in his head to say, this is okay for me to put my knee on this man's neck for nine minutes. To yeah, me, man. that says anybody who is white and kills somebody who is of color, it's okay. There's an excuse. They got the protect complexion for the protection. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, but and the opposite for him, and the opposite for him, he was not given that same yeah. protection for something that I could say, wow, that's plausible. Like so, very plausible. So let me let me let me throw some things in there at you where, you know, I'm we're, you know, we came on today to talk about this, you know, Sheldon trial. Right. And I just wanna I just wanna throw some things out at you as a police officer, as a as a as a person who's been in similar situations as that. Uh, a couple of things that I noticed, you know, they, they talk about how, you know, he did what he was trained to do. Right. Well, in our training, yes, we are trained to use our body weight to help hold people down. Yeah. However, yeah. it's in a different way. The way that we're trained is both knees are off the ground and you put one knee on a person's back or shoulders and you can rock. You can shift That's your what he up did. down, you know, huh? That's what bank? he did. There was an eyewitness account that said he was kind of rocking or like. No, hold on. Oh, oh, really oh, hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me give you, and maybe this will clear it up for you. If you look at Derek Chauvin, right. And you look at 
the way that he has his both knees are on the ground. So his left knee is on George Floyd. His right knee is on the ground. When you're kneeling like that, all of your weight is centered on your knees. So mm -hmm. you guys would kind of have to do this. You would have to be able to squat down with both knees in the air. And the oh, not with my knees anymore. Well, not with your <laughs> knees. But I mean, but, but the, whole, the, whole, the whole premise is this. If I kneel down, like we kneel down in sure. football, or like Colin yeah. Kaepernick kneels down, I put mm -hmm. one knee down on the ground, right? Yeah. I put the other knee down, the one that's up in the air. If I put the other knee down, what is it that alleviates any of my weight off of whatever my knee is on? Both yeah. knees are on the ground. Imagine that. Absolutely nothing. They're both. Yeah. 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 I was going to say they're both yeah. for like the center of gravity is working exactly. on both knees. Now, yeah. now, if I put both knees in the air and then like, let's say my left knee so that my, what would happen is my right knee would be slightly behind me. And then what I could do with my left knee is I could rock my body. It's just like if you're squat, squatting and you're rocking right. back and forth, I could then apply pressure. Yeah. I could lift it up. Again. Right. If you start squirming, I can apply more pressure. Right? right. I can lift it up again because I'm now in a balanced rocking motion. So and even if you looked at the training video that the defense is trying to use to say that, hey, he did what he's trained in that training video, both knees are not down on anything, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's a very yeah. specific technique The you know, whatever you have underneath you. You do use your knee and your pressure on a shoulder, on a back, on a leg, whatever body part you're responsible for, mm -hmm. right? So I will say- let, let me ask you this though, because um, I, I vaguely remember back in the day when I was a probation officer and we would do like, you know, a one time a year restraint training. And I remember getting taught that like maneuver of, you know, being able to use your knee on the back, on the shoulder. Is there any, I was never ever told, and I'm asking you, is anybody ever told to lean on someone's neck? No, I've never been taught that. See, that's my <laughs> thing. So, it's like, I, I get the shoulder and the back maneuver, right? Cause I've, I've done it at least, you know, once in my lifetime in a training. And that makes sense in that rocking thing. Like that's what they taught us. Use your, you know, it's, it's a bit, it's an ability to control and right. then, you know, but to me, it's like that, that knee was on that neck. Yeah. And it was in a place where it was pressing down. It was in a place where it was absolutely unnecessary. And it, it was absolutely unnecessary to uh, to just stay there and stand there because, you know, when you're in a use of, I'm sorry, I've been there. I have been in a use of force situation. I've been there where there's a lot of people around, a lot of people yelling and screaming. You know what I mean? And I'm sorry, that doesn't, you you are constantly reevaluating. You are constantly checking. Hey, you all right? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, can we get you up now? Hey, you're going to be cool. Right. Hey, going to do this. The whole goal should be to get that guy up and get him in the car, period, right. and get him yeah. out of there. Yeah. Why? I have no idea why they would sit there for nine minutes holding him down. Right. It, it literally makes no sense, yeah. which is going to bring in the question to me. I really want to see what's going to happen after this with the other officers that were there. Yeah, because yeah. They, all, they all have to have the same duty. They all have to have the same responsibility of care, the same responsibility of, hey, look, you know, this crowd is getting a little big. Hey, let's get out of here. Yeah. Hey, man, hey, hey, Chauvin, Derek, hey, man, let's get this guy out, put him in the car. 
Yeah, well, there was the one that asked, that asked one and that said, said should, we, should we turn him over on his side? And Chauvin said no. Yeah, he was yeah, the, one yeah. of the trainees. And, and that's and, the other thing, Eric, I want to ask you about that with trainees, okay? Because there is that, who was the one uh, uh, police officer that tried to uh, tell on the other lady that did something inappropriate and then they fired him and then he goes off and starts shooting people? What was his name? Oh, Christopher, Christopher Dorner. Christopher, yes. Mm -hmm. So he, and I'm going to say he pulls a Christopher. Let's say one of them pulls a Christopher, right? Okay. Where he tells Chauvin, you know, get off, da, 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 whatever. He's, you know, he's one of the newer uh, rookie, quote unquote, right? Yeah, what, yeah. Um, what could he, and I, I don't know, maybe, I mean, you know, that. A culture of I already police. know. I already know where you're going with this. Yeah. Here's the thing: there's no excuse for not doing the right thing. Right. I don't care how tenured you are. I don't care how long you've been on. I and I just tell you this: at four months on, you know, uh, I was given a write-up yeah. uh, for something that was absolutely factually incorrect. Yeah. Four yeah. months on, so I'm still on probation. I'm still on training. And a sergeant said, "Hey, you need to sign this after." My FTO, my field training officer, is the one that actually threw me under the bus. And I refused to sign it. He said, what are you talking mm -hmm. about? He says, you're a rookie. You're on training. I said, I don't care. It's not accurate. I'm not going to sign it. I said, I have a right to refuse to sign it. He said, right. who do you think we're going to believe? The mm -hmm. word of this guy that's been here 10 years, that's a training officer, or your little new booty butt that just while I said, sir, that's not mm. my concern. My concern is that is not truthful. I refuse to sign it. Mm. In the story, and I never signed it. Yeah. So, and he was completely flustered because what they do do is they do pressure you into saying, "Hey, you're the new guy. Hey, you're the." But you know what? You have to be. You have to be a man before you walk in the door. You yeah, have to be comfortable with who you are before you put on the uniform. And it's like this. My thing is this: before I, before I give up my integrity, I will give up the uniform because my thing. I'll go find another job. You know, right. I'll go find another. If this is what this is about. But yeah. I'm not signing something that's not accurate. And yeah. and I and I'll just share this with you. I went out to the patrol car and I cussed my TO out and told him, if you ever put me, and he was like, whoa, that was unheard of. You know, but I mean, it does happen from people that are willing to, and I'm not saying I'm any better than anybody else, but I'm saying that yeah. there are there is a level of pressure, like you said, by that young rookie, but there's also a way to do it. Hey, go tap him yeah. out. Hey, man, yeah. just, hey, let's get up. Yeah. And if he says no, you don't just stop. Yeah. You go to him again. Hey, man, get up. Get up yeah. off of him. You know, and if I, and I've seen it. I've seen police officers push other police officers off of somebody before. Yeah. I've seen it clear, you know, and I've seen it in person. And, and I remember, and I'll just give you uh, one more example. There was a, uh, there was a video. There was a, there was an assault on some deputies in the jail. And these inmates, it was all planned. These three or four inmates on a line just decided they were going to take off on the deputies when they went to search them. And I remember the the you know one of the captains saying, "Oh, look, there's a senior deputy there. He didn't even do nothing." And I said, "Yes, he did." And I said, "When you go back and you rewind it and you go in a slow motion, the senior deputy, because the first deputy that got hit, right? I mean, he got clocked good, buckled his knees." But he got back up, got in the fight, and then after the inmates were down, 
he was still punching. That was his anger. That was his adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And a senior deputy came and literally pushed him off the guy, got the guy in hand because he wasn't the one that got hit. Right. So I have seen it. It happens. It can happen. And I don't give, honestly, any... You're literally watching a man go from talking and struggling to nothing. Yeah. To absolutely nothing. And you Mm -hmm. don't get up. You don't say anything. You don't... I mean... You give up. There's something wrong with the entire situation. It's not just Derek Chauvin, if you ask Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Whoever these other officers are, we haven't heard much about them, you know, uh, but to me, they're equally culpable, um, you know, and, and it's, it's just, uh, it's a sad situation all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing. The hands in the pockets. So his hand is not in his pocket. He's got on black gloves and his hand is on his leg, which do I still have share screen? Yeah, it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let me share that with you because this is the apps. Oh, wait a minute. I might have closed it. Let me, let me. Because I thought I seen, and maybe, you know, one second. It does look like it. It does look like it, but I think what Eric is saying is he's wearing black gloves. So it's on his pants and and it's in the same spot where his pocket is. Right. Yeah, so I want to yeah. show you this. Uh, but it's, it's not act. But yeah, it, it's just so nonchalant too, though. Right. Even how he has it, right? It's right. like just it's like you're just standing there with your hands on your hip, watching yeah. this man die. You know. So if you yeah, take you know, a look at this, if you take a look at this, um, can you guys see my mouse? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. if you see this, these are his fingers yeah. right here. Yeah. So his hand is kind of down like a fist. There's the fingers of the gloves. There's his, there's his outline. His hand is not yeah. in his pocket. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people thought that, but in essence, whereas right now, like you said, this is very, very <laughs> casual. Yeah. yeah. I, yes. I don't, yes. there, this is, I don't have a concern in the world. I can sit here all day. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But he does have on black gloves and you know, his hand, you can actually see the darkness right there from his hand. So his right. hand is like this and it's kneeling. It's 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 kind of holding on or just yeah. put down on his yeah 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 no nah, no doubt you know and so like you know I'm not even so much necessarily concerned about like you know the positioning of his fist or even like you know the positioning of his hand whether or not it was like kind of in or out of the pocket I think the larger critique right that you pointed out Eric about like how this looks you know like he's rather comfortable is 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 exactly what's at issue there right you know uh, because like you said you know, how do you actually go from somebody, you know, who's struggling and moving, right? You know, trying to, you know, even if they're struggling, even if they, they're, they're, they're kind of resistant authority to nothing. He's not right. You know? any struggle right there. Yeah. There is nothing, you know, <laughs> none, you know, not one. A, a person as big as George Floyd, if, you know, if he was bucking and resisting, you would see, Oh yeah. you know, you would see this, you know, you would see a, uh, an, an attempt to maintain balance. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's none of that. Yeah. There's none of that. It, this is just, I am sitting so here. The whole, so the whole premise of he's high, he's on drugs, you know. He may have been. But I'm saying, based on looking at the video, somebody who is on uh, fentanyl and uh, what else do they say? Methamphetamine, because those two, you know, kind of balance each other out, which means you're you're not a, on a, a meth thing. Fentanyl is, you know, a depressant. Meth is uh, 
Yeah, yeah. fentanyl's an opioid. You'd be on the nod. On fentanyl. Right. So, yeah. but with the meth, you know, they kind of equal the. He could have been on thing. drugs. He could have been. I don't care if he was on PCP, right. heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, all at once. Mm -hmm. It's not what he's on. It's what he's doing. Yes. You know, and so here's the thing: what is he doing while he's on the ground? Because again, having been in this situation, I'm sorry, I worked in one of the busiest cities probably in this nation. And I had a lot of encounters with people. My whole thing is, you ready to get up now? Can yeah. we stop this? You know, hey, you're going to be cool. You know, hey, let's get you up now. And at least now, guess what? If you get up off him and he says, yeah, 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 I'm going to be cool. And he says, okay, and he's not cool. You, you put light. him back down on the ground. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Well, let, <laughs> let me just say this, Mr. Strong. <laughs> I'm okay with you arresting me. How's that? <laughs> I'm okay. I know I'll be in good hands here. Uh, yes, you will. <laughs> I'm going to be in good hands. I'll be able to go home. I'll bail. I don't care. But yes, at least no, I'm going real, home. Real. You will be no, able to that, you know, I mean, that's we, like we the... We laugh, but that's serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's to me one of some of the testimony that's coming when you know they're bringing in the experts and the use of force experts and everything is that that that's the theme that they keep hitting on is that at the point where he's no longer resisting that's where he should have got up and he didn't he did not get up and then and then the other piece of he should have then started to render aid when they noticed this man didn't have a pulse and they yeah. didn't do that like there's a duty and I guess that that would be an Eric a question for you as well is 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 it because I keep hearing this and I don't know whether it's true. Is it the duty of a police officer once they notice that person is not conscious or, you know, breathing? Do you have a duty as a police officer that, to then render first aid? Absolutely. You are supposed to render first aid if you shoot somebody. Okay. And I mean, that's Good. the if I, I, I mean, I thought so, but like, if, I'm like, okay, if, I'm, I'm watching if, trial and I'm watching TikTok. So, you know. Let me just tell you this. <laughs> if, if you and my, if me and a guy, got into an all out shootout and he missed me five times and I hit him three times. I'm supposed to go then render aid to him technically. Yeah. You know, now the expectation is, you know, you, you, you're, is it realistic that you just tried to kill me? My whole, right. my first thing I want to do is go give you some medical attention. Honestly, no, that's not, I mean, there's a lot of adrenaline. There's yes. a lot of motion in that. Fight, but flight and freeze. Are you supposed to do that? Yes, mm -hmm. you are. There, yeah. There's no question that there should have been some concern or care for his well-being, especially now. Now let's let's go to this. I have my knee on somebody, and I can feel when they go limp. Mm -hmm. yes. I'm, I'm in physical <laughs> contact with them, and mm -hmm. this whole thing that the defense is trying to talk about, well, they were distracted by these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were people there, but if. They're not rushing him. Wouldn't I be better? <laughs> right. I be better suited to give the people what they're asking for? Right. Get off of them. Right. To check calm the pulse, crowd. Yeah. Check his pulse. Give yeah. him some medical. Wouldn't I be better suited to calm the crowd mm -hmm. if I listened to them and said, yeah. "Hey, okay, yeah, let me. Okay, no wait, he's doing everything. Oh wait, yeah. no, he's giving a medical aid. Yep. You, you honestly, you get people on your side when you start yes. doing that kind of stuff. Yes. You know well, what do you so, think that except, was about then, Eric? I, you know, I don't know Derek Chauvin. I don't know his history. I understand there's some kind of history, and I, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna digress. Nineteen years. But I'm what would that, what would that tell you about somebody? I'm, that he has absolutely no 
concern and he has places no value on that man's life yep. or well-being. Now, let me digress for one minute. I think I didn't, I can't confirm it and nobody else has brought it up. But I think there's a part in that video where you can hear George Floyd say something to the effect of, okay, Derek, or I, I wanna say I heard mm. him say his name. Wow. Like, mm. come on, Derek, or something like that. I just heard it just recently in the trial. I never heard it before, and I've only heard it one time. But I think I heard him say, Derek, whereas, and I was like, ooh. Wow. You know? Well, they so, did work at the same uh, nightclub. Yeah, and that's wow. what we're hearing. We don't know. I don't know, you know, factually what their relationship was. But I mean, you know, you know, mm. you know to try to, to, you know, when you just look at that, and, you know, there have been times when there's accidental deaths, when, you know, you, you're, you're literally fighting and, and, and con trying to control somebody and you put them in a carotid or, you know, these chokeholds and things like that. And they've, and they've killed people. And I'll say like, let's look at Eric Garner, right? Mm -hmm. Let's look at Eric Garner in New York. Eric Garner was not handcuffed. He was physically resisting. He was not complying with the police officers. I'm not saying what they did was right. 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 What I'm saying is you could look at the video. Here you have a man that is handcuffed. Mm -hmm. And I want to say he may have even been hobbled or you had police officers that had control of his legs or lower body. Yeah, He's that's what the two, yeah, the two, two on his legs yeah. and his back yeah. had. Yep. Yeah, had to, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. so you had other police yeah. officers that, that had control of his legs. Nor what is he not purpose, fighting. If, exactly. What purpose is there to just and like and like and like uh, the professor said, he he looks a little too comfortable, hand mm -hmm. in his pocket or not, you know, mm -hmm. wherever his hand position is. He, I, I, for the life of me, I cannot imagine what this guy Derek Chauvin was thinking, what was going through his mind, and if he thought that what he was doing he was going to get away with and it was going to be okay. Mm. I, he I, had I, to have known people were video recording. You Absolutely. know, because it's not That's like, thing. you know, he people got, are there with their phones, he, you his, know, his, his arrogance and for, for whatever reason, whatever he whatever he's thinking, whoever he is as a man, as a person, he felt like whatever he was doing, he was OK to do that. And, yep. and it, it almost seems like no matter what, no matter who came, because even from some of the testimony we're looking at and hearing. He didn't even move when the paramedics got there initially. Yeah. No, yeah. he didn't. As a matter of fact, he, they, he would not, they wouldn't let him, or he wouldn't let them actually render aid or he didn't actually get up off of them until they had to like kind of come over to him and say, okay, we don't think he has a pulse, something so, or other. So, kind of pressed it. so it wasn't his partner who said, hey man, mm -hmm. should we roll him over? It wasn't the crowd and it wasn't the paramedics. Yeah. Whatever he had in his mind, he was committed to that and he was not stopping. Yeah. You know, and so that is what I see in this, yeah. you know, and, and, and when, it, when I say you're committed, that means to me, you're saying right then and there, I don't care what happens. Yeah. Man, isn't it just like that old rapper line that, that, that they used to actually kind of like, like tag young black men with like in like the early nineties, right? You know, they used to kind of use this as like a trope, right? That I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like his version yeah. of like, I don't yeah. like, yeah. like Tupac and Jews, right? Like, yeah give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stand on his neck. And that's, 
essentially, you know, see, like when I hear that, right, and, and I think I listen to the, the I'll I, I turn the news commentators off. <laughs> After this, like during this trial, I think I stopped watching the news. That was probably the only time over the past year that I've stopped watching the news during this trial. Um, I kind of like, you know, pick up bits and pieces of the trial and like some of the commentary, and then somebody actually starts to reach for um, you know, these explanations that I think in, in certain ways, they really do kind of strain credulity. And in other ways, I think that they're, you know, just kind of, they come up short of like calling a spade a spade, as it were. <laughs> in this case, I think that the narrative, right, or that which is compelling Chauvin, like to actually go on, I'm not, I'm not so much even interested, like, like, like in the, in the, the end of like Jer Derek Chauvin as an individual. For me, the individual considerations for Derek Chauvin, they're contingent upon his the degree to which he continues to act within the character that he's established, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's a confluence of characters, right? Or, or at least, um, you know, what his character actually looks like. There's some conflict there. 19 years on the force, 18 different, right? Uh, what, like 18 different uh, complaints, right? Kind of filed against, formal mm -hmm. complaints, right? Filed against him. That's damn near a complaint a year, which means that can mean anything for sure. I don't know how many of those particular kind of complaints were actually racially motivated or were instances where something like this may have happened. However, when he chooses to go against that protocol or that training, or really just to go against what should be in a certain kind of way, right, common. Mm -hmm to go against the belief that you should actually value somebody else's life and not kill them in a situation where you're not threatened. Mm -hmm. It ain't no shootout. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eric said But when there were shootouts, you know hey, uh, they were taken alive. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> Yo, right? Yo, oh, come on now. Wait a minute. We're going to put a complexion in right for the protection. Exactly. <laughs> going to get back to that one right there. So and, right. But, right. But the brother wasn't, he wasn't struggling. He wasn't doing none of that right. Plus, he was already outmanned and outdone. He yeah. wasn't doing very much when you choose to go against or to step outside of the character that you may have already kind of established, at the very least, just from putting that badge on. And I hear you, Eric, when you actually say, you know, this might not necessarily be a popular opinion. Not all of these cases here are actually like, you know, is, is, is clean and clear cut, right, as we kind of see on this video. There's some there are some instances right where officers are somewhat justified in terms of the level of force that they actually exert. I hear you on that, and I also hear you in terms of the 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 purpose or function of law enforcement as being something more than just about power, right? Uh, or at least you know it should aspire to actually be that. I hear you on that. Derek Chauvin actually chose to step outside of that ethos. That comes with the badge, right? It, he chose to step outside of those of, of that aspiration. He chose not to aspire to that to that level of greatness, to that level of protection, right, and to that level of service. But rather, he just quite simply chose to do something that was outside of himself. So I don't even care about Derek Chauvin as an individual, or care to consider the situation within that context, right? Like of just Derek as an individual. I have to now because he stepped outside of his character consider the largest systemic influence mm -hmm. that policing, right, has had on this individual, not just policing, but again, right, that which policing is actually tied to, right, what it's wedded to in the most unhealthy of ways, 
white supremacy. Mm -hmm. I have to mm -hmm. think about what is Derek's relationship? How is the notion and the narrative of white supremacy? What has this man's background been like, right? Because in a lot of ways, I think that's the only explanation that we have that makes sense for this particular situation, given the, given the dynamics of all the pieces that we have. But Damon, let me jump mm -hmm. in, Professor, and ask you this, though. Talk How do you, because everything that you just said, I agree with 100%, but how do you then attribute that notion to the other officers that were there who were not all white? And let me just say this, and I'm gonna go back to this because I can tell you if it were me mm -hmm. and we're there and somebody stops breathing, let me tell you, it's like, oh, it's almost, oh crap, oh, get up, hurry up, you know, get up. Cause, cause guess what? I'm gonna be subject to the disciplines, to the policies, to the laws or whatever that's going on in this scenario. All of them, they yeah. all had to have seen him <laughs> stop breathing. Not only, and even yeah. Tao, mm -hmm. even Tao mm -hmm. who had his back to them. People were telling him. And I'm yeah. sorry, I've been there. I've been in similar city where, did he stop breathing for real? I'm gonna be like, <laughs> hey, he, hey, he, hey, do something. Yeah. I'm like, oh crap, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna probably use some other exp expletives, you know, you know, you, you, those guys should have been in an absolute panic. Those guys should have been like, oh shit, what, what, what do we do? How do we, you know, let's get them rolled over. Let's, because again, you got a possible allegation of counterfeiting, you know, mm. Did any of those Possibly. guys, were any of those police officers experts in identifying counterfeit bills where they absolutely knew the mm -hmm. bill was counterfeit, but it's $20 counterfeit bill. Mm -hmm. And you have a guy that is struggling and he may even be, and you know, maybe he's high, maybe he's under the influence, maybe yeah. you can see that. The question is, how did any of them not say, oh crap, Derek, get off of him. Derek, yeah. we got to do something. They, to me, it goes, I mean, I think you're right. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, you know, Damon, but how do you attribute that to everybody there? I, that's what I don't get. I got you. Well, that's I, a think, fair well goes, I, I think that goes there's... to the experiment of when somebody cries help, everybody is thinking the other person's going to step in. Yo, I was just going to say that because you know what, honestly, uh, so there's a, that's a very fair question that you're asking, Eric, that is such a fair question. And you know what, it's a, it's a decent question. When I say decent, I mean, you're considering this question and Derek's action, right? Or excuse me, sorry, the, the other officer's actions or their inaction rather, right? From the standpoint of a decent human being, right? right. Like, you know, yo, how could you not Dude, yo, you see this man, they said, yo, he stopped breathing, da, 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 right? A decent man, right? <laughs> and I'm gonna use just as an example, just some, something that I think everybody's actually familiar with, especially the, our listeners today, right? They can think of at least one particular officer, right? Who, who, who exemplifies that. Uh, I give y'all a name, Eric Strong, right? Yeah, there you go. He, in these go. situations, you know what I'm saying? There is a go. decent human being. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Right. And right. he exercises the fullness of his decency as well as his humanity, right? Yeah. In these scenarios, because he's already lived it. Yeah. However, the moment in which Derek Chauvin chose not to, but rather chose to 
if I'm saying this short, because I don't want to go back and repeat everything that I said about him and how he made this decision, go low, right? Mm-hmm. And also, too, right, if his other fellow officers also, too, choose to go low, go low. right? <clears throat> That's a clear-cut choice that they're making to exit individuality, right, and decency as well as one's humanity, and to adopt or to take on, right, the artificial clothing, right, or to actually kind of sort of like something that my mama used to tell me that I could never ever do. She'd always get upset at me, right, because she'd say, look, you are, you are a leader, not a follower. Don't you sit up here and dress like everybody else? When I tried to sag my pants when I was a mm. kid, you know how the 90s work. <laughs> <laughs> See, man, my parents wouldn't let me do that. Man, look, neither my mother nor my father would ever let me do that. Why? Because they knew that I was trying to put on a look and a garb that did not fit me based else. on who it is that they actually read, you know, raised me up as, right? But mm-hmm. it looked good on everybody else. You see, I think th- those are those kind of mechanisms that I think actually occur right, in those, in, in the situations or in those scenarios in which individuals choose to vacate their decency and humanity, and they choose to instead adopt the cloak and clothing, right, of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just quite simply, to, if I'm going to give an example to illustrate this just concretely, <clears throat> there's an experiment that was done at Stanford, right, it's called the Stanford Prison Experiment. Boom. In the Stanford Prison Experiment, there's this whole notion, right, these psychological kind of mechanisms by which you know, the experiment, like the, the, the experimenters were kind of using in order to like kind of like gauge, right, the degree to which an individual will actually kind of take up the values that they mm-hmm. walked into with and express them and exercise them and maintain them throughout the duration of the experiment versus those who would not. The difference between the two was that they were actually given two separate roles, one of the prison guard, the other, right, the prisoner. And What's, what what the psychologists wanted to explore was, okay, well, how do these folks, how do these individuals, they're all, they're all college students, they all peers, mm-hmm. how do they respond when they're given roles? And when they're, not, not, not even given, but when they're assigned roles, that is the part about white supremacy Right, that I think Django left chained up right in the movie. That's the part that I don't like about <laughs> bring that movie. It, bring really out left, Django. They really left that part. They really left that part chained up right there, man. Been up here talking about Django and Chain. Although, don't get me wrong, Jamie Foxx is looking quite spiffy in that blue oh, suit yeah. right there when he was riding on that horse. <laughs> but the parts about that movie that I enjoyed, right, were far more outweighed. I think, right, this deeper issue that I'm trying to point out in response to your question, Eric, which is. The parts of that movie, right, that were left chained up is how real white supremacy actually, excuse me, how the degree to which an individual believes white supremacy being real, how the degree to which they think that it's real and they adopt it as real is that it's so real that it becomes ingrained at an unconscious level, mm-hmm. right? And so they end up actually responding, right, according to whatever the framework or the, 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 the narrative, the dominant narrative it is that they have for interacting, right? Whatever their protocols are that they, not that they've been trained by, but that they've actually adopted and identified the most with. That's the difference, right? Even in education, I can teach somebody a five paragraph essay. That don't mean that they're gonna actually stop writing how they speak, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just because I actually taught you to form doesn't mean that you're gonna mirror it or mimic it in the real time, right? When it's time for us to actually write the, when it's time for us to write the essay in class, you're gonna actually take all of those frameworks that you have when you go into that test and you're gonna actually use them, right? Or into that moment, and you're gonna use whichever one it is that you're the closest with. That's what I mean when I say that white supremacy is like 
unhealthily wedded right to law enforcement and in a, in a, in a very real kind of way if we're going to start this conversation about not here right but if we're going to like in general public have a conversation about reform it's got to be married and wedded to white supremacy and unraveling or unlearning that part right there yeah, uh, Damon, uh, uh, you know, that's what I kind of was thinking in, in terms of this you know, white supremacy culture. It's the water that we've all swim in. Right. So Come just just because <laughs> we we may not be white, but because of these are the norms and standards that have been set over the history of this country, even someone who is Asian, like Officer Tao standing there is mm -hmm. implicitly mm -hmm. and almost probably explicitly adhering to white supremacy culture because there is that white man on that neck. And, did, you know, why didn't he turn and, and say, hey, bro, whatever, or why didn't the other was because the power of the white supremacy culture of the water that we've all swim in, right? And so, yeah, yeah, and I it. think, and Eric, I mean, the difference is, is, again, you have integrity. Like everything I've heard you say is about integrity, right? You, like you said, I carried that integrity with me when I went in, you know, like I would lose my job if it meant being integrous, you know? And so I think that there's a, there's a big difference there, right? You, you're, you're staying true to your char character and your moral compass and all of these things are very important to you that you would be that guy that would say, dude, get up. He's not breathing, right? And I, I think, I think, I think uh, you guys are way more intellectually uh, deep than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I go, now, I go to this. I, I, I don't know, you know, and, and I, Damon, I hear you so eloquently put you, you, you got, you, you have my head spinning right now. You really do thinking about the white supremacy, the culture, toy, the water we've all swam in growing up. Whereas I look at it as you just do the right thing. You know, you just, all you had to do was somebody go and tap him on the shoulder, say, hey man, get up. And so the question is, why didn't anybody do that? And you know, like I said, you got my head spinning. Is it because they were indoctrinated in this white supremacy culture? Is it, was that the culture of Minneapolis police? You do not question a senior officer. You know, uh, there's so many other things that come into play in my mind. And it's just about, dude, just what are you doing? You know, and why are you doing it? Get up, you know? Um, and, and, you know, I, I say this. Any of those four police officers that were there at that moment, if you could have told them at three minutes, at four minutes or five minutes that this is where you're gonna be today, would they still have chosen that path? Mm -hmm. you know? Good question. And, and <laughs> uh, yeah, would they still have chosen that course yeah. of actions? To me, and this is just Eric Strong's opinion, what I get from Derek Chauvin is that he would be like, I don't care. Yeah. I really I don't care so because I just, even, even now for whatever reason, and I don't know the man, when I look yeah. at him sitting there, mm -hmm. I, you see him sitting there taking notes. Yes. I look at him and I see an air of confidence. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. see an mm -hmm. air of, yeah, I'm just taking notes. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to, he doesn't look worried. Mm -hmm. He doesn't look remorseful. I've never heard anything from him to say, hey, if I had it to do all over again, I would, you know, I would do things different. You know, I, I just, that to me is the big concern. So my my question is those other officers that were there, what, 
what culture is going on in over there in Minneapolis Police Department? You know, what culture is going on? You know, because I can tell you, um, I've seen people step in and do the right thing. So I've also seen people stand by and not do stuff. And I've come up to a scene like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to be the one to come in. And yeah, I, I you know, it's just, uh, it, it, it's it's completely baffling to me. It really is. Mm. You know? oh, well, <sighs> I can just say, you know, in I'm trying to picture myself as one of them officers. And obviously I'm one of those kind that I can't handle guns. I don't want to be touching any, I'm nervous. I'm a nervous wreck. <laughs> so, it's but as imagine, imagining myself there, a newbie, and I'm thinking, you know, I want to say I have a lot of integrity. I want to say that. And I know I'm immersed in this white supremacy culture that to be for real, I think I would be one of those that is looking to my senior officer as if they know more about the job than I do. They must know what they're doing. Like he must know what he's doing when he has his neck or his knee on his shoulder. Like at any minute, he's probably gonna get off. And I don't wanna be the one to be like, hey, hey, you know, creating waves on my two weeks, three weeks in, you know, to being on, on the force. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I just I feel know exactly like, what she's saying. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like I I might just be the same as those bystanders, like not knowing is this fool gonna get off? And I'm sure if I get up, he's gonna get off. Or if I say something, you know, then it'll be like I was about to get off. You know what I'm saying? So I I I struggle and I feel badly for the at least for the the newer officers, I feel for them because I can again I can place myself in their shoes to say, I don't I'm I probably would be in the same in the same boat that they are because I don't know if I would have said, get off like enough's enough. I don't know if I would have that that level of confidence I guess coming with that badge like being new. Because I, I would think like, am I missing something? Maybe this is what they do out here. I don't know. You know, you I, know, Sylvia, I, I'll tell you this, and I hear you exactly. And all I'm going to say to this is, is having been that new officer, you know, from what I know about you, I, I want you to picture this. And I'm not going to sit up here and say I was perfect and I did everything by the letter, by the book. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but I think there's, you would look at a gauge. Would you stand by and see another officer put a gun up to a handcuffed man's head, cock the hammer back and put his finger on the trigger? Oh yeah. No, still no, sit no, there no. and say, yeah. oh, he knows what he's doing. He's more, I think you, there's a gauge yeah. to this. There's a barometer. Yeah, you know, there's a barometer. I, I, I agree, that's okay. a good point. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you see something that an officer's doing and you're not really sure what it is, you yeah. may say, okay, well, he knows what he's doing. I'm going to go the other way. But I'm sorry. You're all in this physical is clear cut contact. For you. you are all in physical contact with this man, whether you're on his neck or on his legs. Okay. You okay. have to see he's gone out. Yeah. He's okay. no longer moving. He's no longer breathing. He's no longer squirming. 
He's no. So there is. Talking. So what I'm hearing you say is when I leave police, the police academy, and I'm not saying like, oh yeah, you know everything, the laws, whatever. But I am well equipped to know when nobody's moving, get your ass off. If he is not moving, <laughs> you get your ass off. And Maybe you know what bit. I'm saying? You can leave you can lift the knee up. Yeah, that's what I want. Academy, you are absolutely equipped and told because it's part of the curriculum yeah. to do the right thing. Now, right. a very common, a very common technique, statement, training, uh, statement that comes about where as soon as you get to your first car, radio car, with your very first partner, they said, hey, everything they taught you at the police academy, hey, throw that shit out the door. This is how we're going to do it. We're <laughs> training gonna day. You, we're going to now show you the real way. I'm telling you. If you ask 10 police officers, what was the first thing their training officer told them when they got to the car and they first met them, that's probably going to be within the first two or three sentences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but see, and then I'm like, then I'm coming out and my, uh, my trainee, training officer told me that it's like, okay, uh, then I'm now stuck in this. Yes, yes, it's, you're right. But again, I think it comes down to human decency, you know, and if you give that up, if you give that up for that uniform, which is what, you know, the professor was saying earlier, you, you transition into the that mask, that uniform, that that clothing that you have on, you've, you know, and again, it comes down to a matter of degrees. I mean, this was a very egregious yes. uh, act. This was not- But do like, you, th- I guess the, my, my thing is, do you think that those other, especially the two rookies, that, that they also are culpable, I guess? You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I I can feel for them. I can here's, feel here's for them. Here's what I attribute it to. Here's what I attribute it to. I'll give you an analogy. Yeah. You're riding down the street, you know, with a couple of buddies in your car, and your buddy says, hey, pull over. Let me go in the store and grab something. Yeah. You pull over to the curb. He goes to the store. He comes out, you know, bam, 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 shooting or running or whatever. He got a wad full of money, jumps in the car and say, go, go, go. Yeah. Do you go or do you say, nah, bro, get out of my car? Right. Depends on how much money he got. Right. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, and, <laughs> no, and, 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 okay, so let me take it. Yeah, exactly. So let, let me you take it a little bit further. <laughs> let me take it just a little bit further. So now yeah. he jumps in the car, he says, go, go, go. Your first reaction is, hey, this is my buddy. Boom, I take off, right. I'm going. Yeah. Then you realize what he did. Sure, now, right. do you stop when? The police get behind. I mean, in other words, do you stop on your own and say, hey, man, I'm not because right. you got to get out of my car or do you keep driving? You probably maybe you keep driving. But then when the police get behind you, do you lead them on a pursuit or do you stop and say, hey, so I go back to this. Yeah. Once all of that happens, those other people that are in the car, especially the driver, what do you say about his culpability? Do you say he's part of it, even though he had absolutely no idea what was going to go on when he got there. I will say this. I don't know. I'm not. I do think they should be criminally liable. I yeah. really do uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of a level of negligence. But I even if they not charged, I don't think those guys should ever be in law enforcement ever again. Right. 
Yeah, you know, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Just, I, I yeah. agree with that. I just, I just kind of feel like uh, uh, the, you know, and I don't know what they're being charged with. I don't know if it's manslaughter or whatever. Um, I just, you know, that's the one. They're the ones that I feel the most. Um, you know, and it could be because I've never gone to the academy. I mean, or, I, 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 I commend you for your level of empathy for them. I'm yeah. I, I'm I'm having a hard problem uh, having empathy for any of them because I think it's kind of like what you were saying, Eric, before, too, is like one. It, we have the white supremacy culture you know umbrella just of itself but then like what is the culture within that police because you know what what is said in those rooms that we don't get to be in right about people that people they arrest color. about yeah. how you how you you know deal with a, a black man when you encounter them you know for a $20 bill you know so there's even even the newest one is subject to and we can't be too sure that he's going in with some moral compass either as a rookie right no, we can't. You know, so I, 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 I appreciate your empathy, um, Sylvia. I'm still on the train of like, all the motherfuckers need to go. I'm not saying that they don't need to go. I'm not saying they don't need to go. Hey, Tori, hey, I'm in the seat right next to you on that train. I'm sitting here like, look, man, can we speed this mug up, please? Yeah, so, yeah. Hold on. Get them all, get going. them gone. And as you can see, I'm sitting here saying, you know, um, Yes, there was a crowd there. You know, the one thing that you do as a police officer, and again, I, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to toot my horn, I'm just trying to emphasize that I've been there. Yeah. When you hear people saying things, it should register with you. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you'll hear a lot of things. And I'll give you an example. Um, I remember one day there was a guy, it was unexplainably, it was unexplainably how this guy in the middle of the street in his car was dead from what looked like a bullet hole in the top of his head, like Ooh. literally right in the top of his head in his car. What? Yes. So entry. Entry it, at the top. That no. What remember what I said? What appeared to be a bullet okay. hole okay. in the top of his head. Okay. Okay. So we're like wondering, like, what the hell? happened because the he had tea it was like one of those old uh i rock you know with the t t sunroof yeah yeah, oh, yeah. yeah with the t t roof or whatever with the two things yeah uh -huh. Uh -huh. and so his his side had been uh crashed in right mm. so we're like what you know did somebody shoot up in the air and a bullet right. came down you know i, I we can't imagine how would a bullet go like you know kind of arc in you know and mm. it looked like it was a homicide and you know we're there. We're waiting for the detectives. We're waiting for the coroner and the families there. The family are coming out. They recognize his car. He's from the neighborhood, and they're screaming, "Hey, he's in the car! Why are you just leaving him in a car? Right? Why are you doing this?" Now it's not the same. I'm not involved with the use of. Mm -hmm. But when you hear those kind of things, what do you do? You just walk over to him and say, "Hey, look, you know, let me tell you what's going yeah. on. Let me yeah. explain yeah. to you where you are. You know what's yeah. going on." You know, and so in that particular right. incident, we had some family members that were getting very irate, very mm -hmm. upset. And they wanted to go see if it was their brother in the car, one of the guys. And we had an officer over there. And I'll just say this, he was a few months senior to me, literally like maybe six months senior to me. And he's over there, get out of here, go away. If you don't get out past the line, I'm gonna do this. And I walked over 
And, you know, it was people that looked like me. I said, hey, what's, what's going on, right? And they said, we just want to know if that's my brother's car. Is he the one in the car? Mm-hmm. And I said, who of you, because it was a brother, a sister, and a mother, I said, who of you is the strongest and can go handle it if it is him? Mm-hmm. And the mama said, mama quickly said, no, no, not my baby, not the, not the daughter. Mm-hmm. No, that's her big brother, not her. And she pointed to one of the brothers, take him. And I said, okay, I'm gonna take you over here. We're gonna look. Now, mind you, I've been at the scene for hours. I know that there's no evidence on the ground. We're not tampering with anything, mm-hmm. but I walked him over there. Yeah. And I let him look in, you know, in a car from a distance. He saw it was his brother. He cried. He walked mm. over. You know what he said? He said, thank you. He mm. went to his family, yeah. Yeah. He grabbed them all up. And he walked them away and it quelled the whole crowd. Mm-hmm. Chilled it out. Yeah. Do you, know the, do you know the next day, the next day I get to work, right? I go into the car and I'm actually riding with that six month senior guy that day. And I mean, I wasn't a rookie or anything, but you know, we, 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 we get in the car and you know, uh, normal stop is, Hey, I'm going to get, you know, grab a bite to eat. You know, let me get some coffee or something like that. No, we're going over here. We're going to do this. And I said, mm-hmm. and I, he's barking. I said, I mean, you have a problem. I mean, are you okay? Yeah, you overrode what I did yesterday, and don't you ever overrode? I said, well, timeout, bro. I said, timeout. <laughs> I said, you realize that I helped the situation? You had an angry mob of crowd of people, and all you're doing is barking at them and making them matter. And guess what that's going to impact? Mm-hmm. That's going to impact me. Mm-hmm. Because once they come across the line and I got to come back you up, now I'm involved. Yeah. I said, you should be happy. And you know what you can do? You should learn and look at it and say, hey, you know what? That worked. Maybe I can do it next time rather than having your butt. Yes. I said, so now if you don't take me to get some coffee, take me Hello. out of the station, I'll go get my own car. <laughs> Hello. Yes. You tell them to pay for it. That's yes. where I would have been like, you better pay for my coffee. Exactly. So, you Coffee's know, on you. <laughs> I, I say all that to say this, that they, they, you know, sometimes people do get their butt on their shoulders and they think that, hey, how, how dare you come and interrupt me? I'm doing my job. But hey, there's a million ways to skin a cat. Maybe what you're doing is not working. It's not effective. So yeah. you've got to be willing to try something different. So yeah. I, I just, I just, I, I have a real hard time with these guys that when you come into this profession, you're supposed to come in with uh, a personality. You know what I mean? You're supposed right. to come yeah. in and be a yeah. person that's assertive and take command and, and be able to think on your, you know, think on your toes and react quickly and also have integrity and honor and all these kind of things. So I, I have a real hard time excusing, especially in that situation, because I think it was the family that said when they were doing a news conference that, you know, everybody had 846 on their mask. And yeah, one of the, I think that's the right. family, family attorney said, hey, through this trial, we learned that it was actually nine yeah. minutes. Yeah, and nine minutes, day. 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nine I'm minutes, sorry. 20 yes. seconds. Yeah. Yes. Almost 10 that's minutes. Like, God. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and even the family attorney said, "Hey, we kind of learned something new in this." And yeah. you know, I, I just I can't for the life of me understand. Again, I don't know what the culture is in 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 Minneapolis. I don't understand what the I know what the culture is for their law enforcement. And if you're a rookie, you're on three weeks. You could lose your job. You know, maybe this this was the only thing this guy had left to mm-hmm. provide for his family. But at the same time. I don't know. I mean, or I look- maybe he thought it was okay. 
Huh? Or maybe he thought it was okay too. Right? Maybe they thought it was okay. Like maybe they all thought it was okay. It's possible. Right? Very like possible. maybe they all thought it was okay. Yeah. Ugh. You don't know. Okay. Don't... So what I'm hearing you tell me is no. Yeah, I'm I'm you know, again, there there's barometers to this. You know what I mean? There there's certain yeah. things where you just don't recognize it, you don't know what it is, and you have to say, okay, you know what, that's not my call to make. That's a senior guy doing that, and maybe I missed something. But then there's also those times where it's it, it's unequivocal. It's it's hey, this is this is going all bad. There's nothing yeah. good coming out of this, you know, yeah. like I, I feel like the rookie could use it as part of his defense. Like, hey, I was just doing this is my senior. I'm a rookie. I was doing my senior yeah. officer told me I don't think he should not be held accountable, but I think he could use it as a potential defense. But at the same time, I agree with you, Eric, like at any rate, never should be a police officer, never should shouldn't be a security officer. Don't even give this guy a uniform of any kind. Like, not a Starbucks uniform, not a, a McDonald's uniform. Oh, that's like... terrible. Come on. That's that's he he got to pay, he gotta pay his bills, too. There's other ways. You want to figure it out. Because that's the uniform. Look. Hey, you know, I mean, shoot, plenty of people go to the to the to the poll, you know what I'm saying, to go and make ends meet. He can go ahead on right? and start to try to make out a living. You ain't talking about the voter poll, are you? Yeah. OnlyFans page <laughs> on uh Instagram, get an OnlyFans page, you know. Get him on OnlyFans page. Sex work is work. Hey. Sex work is work. Hey. Oh, you guys need to quit. Stop it. I'm just saying he can leverage it, especially with the OnlyFans right now. There is still a way That's to right. make some money. Can, I'm just can, saying. Do, do some wow. webcamming. Wow. Look, get him a Twitch. He'll be popping online. Look, I'm right? just saying. Come on, Professor, you going to? Pay him in him. Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I ain't worried about that man uh, being money. He's gonna be all right. There's options out here. Well, I don't know now. If he got a conviction, I don't know. Yeah, he's he right. gonna he have to make ends hired. meet in the pen. I don't know. Um yeah. wow. Well, that was a good conversation. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. I yeah. learned a lot not only about myself, but about you know, as far as like you know, being aware, because I think that's what it takes is being aware of what my integrity is and making sure that I myself am, you know, constantly challenging it in this indoctrination of the white supremacy that I've, you know, been raised in and, uh, you know, and just, you know, moving, moving past fear, I think. Let, let me throw this out there as we talk about the, the, the culture of Minneapolis. And it, it just came to me that the firefighter, the off-duty firefighter that went up and identified herself and said she's a firefighter, right? And mm -hmm. was asking them to do certain things. Mm -hmm. And supposedly, according to her testimony, Tao's statement to her was, hey, if you're really a firefighter, yep. you should know better. Yep. In other words, what I got from that is, you're, if you're really a firefighter, you're supposed to be on our team. If yep, you're yeah. really a firefighter, you shouldn't be interfering with this. If right. you're really a firefighter, you should know to stay out of our right. business and stay right. out of this. To me, that was the other thing that kind of mm -hmm. triggered me as to the culture of that department. Because again, if somebody comes That's to me and says, point. 
hey, I'm a point. firefighter. Yep. And I see this guy's in distress. My, yeah. oh, shoot, really? Where, yeah. oh, crap. You know what I mean? And we go back to that thing again, like, hey, we got to, hey, guys, because come on now. Yeah. You know, let, let's let's change this up a little bit. So to me, again, yeah. that, that uh, again, you know, Sylvia, that goes to there like. There was too yeah. many. Yeah, yeah, sounds like no, there were too there, many. There's no excuses. There's no excuses right. for you. You had too many, too many, too many incidences of pause and you think what you're doing. Well, even even the correct yourself. Talk, talking about culture again. Even the nine one one dispatcher, straight out Hello. said, ah. "Call me a snitch if you want, but right. something's going on here." Not right here, yes. Something ain't right here. Right. So that does, I you know, as yeah. you say that, it's like yeah. There, there's a, probably a greater culture within the Minneapolis you know, police. In yeah. a lot of in a lot of situations, you may have a small, small window for correction. Mm -hmm. However, in this one, I think there were several opportunities yeah. for correction, and and nobody took it. Right. Nobody. Yeah. Took yet it. and still, yet and still, in this situation, I'm just saying, y'all. I'm not. I can't make this up. We have to use the frameworks in order to understand because they help to reveal certain. They help to reveal certain things. <clears throat> we, an analysis of power, power dynamics in this particular situation here would also to yet reveal exactly what it is that you just said, Eric. There are too many opportunities. <clears throat> White dudes still getting opportunities even in this very situation where a black man is not. Yes. These opportunities, right, for him to hear in this sense, not to get ahead, not to get not to get an advantage in life, but just quite simply Living. to help someone actually retain their own life. Yeah. Not even in those situations where they're willing to actually, it's, it's an ironic kind of flip, right? Because it's yeah. not even in those situations are they willing to actually kind of choose humanity, right? Or make the humane choice or make the decent choice, but they choose to further invest in whiteness, right? Or, yeah. and just by that, quite simply, I mean, they just choose quite simply to fall deeper into the role that they have already mm -hmm. unconsciously uh, uh, taken on for themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. And, Real. Yeah. Real talk yeah. right there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, y'all, oh, great conversation. I'm so glad we did this. We're gonna have to do it again. Um, and that was only one topic. Anytime. Like, that was just one topic. I was that, like, that wait, was did just... we finish already? Wait, <laughs> did, I, that even, was just... did we even talk about the Chauvin trial? Did we even? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we did not. What? What trial? <laughs> you did. No, 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 we... no, 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 no. No, you did, Eric. You did so very, very eloquently. That's why I don't even look. Check this out. Look to the listeners on here, just real quick. If I can holler at y'all just for two yes. seconds, yes. service announcement. Speak brought on to it. you by your good folk, right? <laughs> Professor Cag. If y'all hear uh, our dear brother Eric say something about CAG or the professor being eloquent, don't sit up here and believe this, man. Here's what you got to actually believe. <laughs> believe the entire first 15 minutes that you actually heard him breaking down and yeah. giving poignant analysis yeah. on the trial. He's the only one out of all four of us who actually Come did on now. so quite right. eloquently. Uh, Come on now. Right. Might That's add. not true. Come on now. We appreciate you. Snaps. But, uh, Snaps. We all contributed. Come on. Uh, you don't even want to talk about the trial this, man. Yeah. But it was, it was, uh, you know, I like it, Eric, because it comes from not just an officer that wants to protect. Like, here I am. I'm the one saying, oh, I kind of feel bad for, and you're like, and pointing out reasons like, why, nope. <laughs> pointing out reasons why that I'm like, 
you're right. You're right. Like, yeah. I, you know, I can't forget about those things. You like, know, it, it does thing, matter. It, it really does. And, you know, one thing I, I would go to, a, I used to go to a lot of community meetings and I would, you know, talk and, you know, especially after something, you know, uh, serious happened. And the one thing I always try to remember and to say is, you know, I, I'm not going to defend police because I'm the police. I'm also not going to defend black just because I'm black. You know, mm -hmm. let's look at it for really what it is. And right. I'm so tired of, you know, uh, law enforcement trying to what I call write it right. W -R -I -T -E. Write it right. Like white, Ooh. write it right. Write it right. W-R-I-T-E, write it right, R-I-G-H-T. hitting on something right there. That's a whole episode in and of itself. It really is. You know, and I'll just, I'll give you, let me, let me give you one little example. I don't remember if I talked to you guys about this, but I had a, I had a lieutenant submit a complaint to me. And the complaint was that this guy was detained in the backseat of a radio car for four hours at the scene. He told the officers repeatedly he had to go to the bathroom. He wasn't even arrested. He wasn't even the suspect. Mm -hmm. And he ended up, you know, urinating on himself and, and soiling himself. And he was so dehumanized and degraded. He filed his complaint. So the, so the lieutenant has to do this inquiry investigation, mm -hmm. so to say, and he submits it. And you know what he wrote? He wrote on WebEx or WebMD. And he literally wrote this, that the average adult male's bladder will hold 10 whatever cc's of fluid and he can hold his urine for up from anywhere from eight to 10 hours. So he basically didn't really have to urinate on himself. And so basically what the officers did wasn't, you know, it was, uh, wasn't unreasonable. Oh and I, it was justified. I said, are you freak? Actually, my sergeant caught it first. Like, are you freaking kidding me? I said, you're oh. going to write this right? I mean, bottom line is this. And I asked him, I said, hey, how much did the guy have to drink? Right? Oh, I don't know. How long had it been since he went to the mm -hmm. bathroom before he got, oh, I don't what know. What other pre-existing condition did he have? The exactly. potentially, did he have diabetes? Of, of liquid. Diabetes, I don't make you urinate. You created a case. You created a riot now, Eric. I mean, I'm like, I said, dude, I was so irritated and pissed off. I'm like, why not? Would you write that? I mean, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? How about you just pull the deputies in and say, dude, why, why do you guys have this guy in the backseat? Hey, if somebody says they got to go to the bathroom, what do you have them for? Do the right thing. Hey. You know, do the right thing. You make a decision. If you can't make a decision in four hours, what you going to do with them? Something's wrong right there. <laughs> so, right. you know, so I'm so tired of this writing it right uh, theory and mentality, you know, that, that uh, uh, I see and have seen, you know, all too often, it, it needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. I agree with you, sir. So totally. I'm so done. I'm off my okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it was, it was good. It was a good soapbox. Let me know um, when you get back on it because I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to buy some tickets. Next time. When you get back on your soapbox, <laughs> just let me know, just put it on Instagram or something where I can see it. And you know, I'm there. You, you, you and I are close, so we got to get together here soon anyway. We already talked These about are facts. That. These there are facts. Go. Yeah, I, I got nice. something for us, too. I got nice. something for us. Okay. Right on. Well, you both, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for uh, coming on tonight, uh, being here. Um, we could go hours, but, you know, we got, we, got, we got to sleep. We got jobs in the morning, you know. Um, Were they paying us? Here. No doubt. No doubt. 
Um, so yeah, everyone, thanks for listening. Until next time, nos vemos. Adios. Everybody have a good night. Nice. All right, we're good. Daisy, Daisy, what's your safe word? What's your safe word, Daisy?